This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Metron Garage is a company designing unique garages, condos, and other structures specifically for the auto enthusiasts. They've got eight models to choose from, including two-story options, which I think is super cool, while with a very modern look and feel to them. And they come in all sizes, and they're fully customizable. You can check out them today and start specking your own ultimate garage at metrongarage.com, where you can request a catalog or talk to someone to learn more. So be sure to check it out. I just want to give a quick thanks to Euro Classics for sponsoring this episode. Euro Classics is all about collector cars, from servicing your new BMW M5 to prepping your Porsche for the racetrack to executing a total restoration on your favorite classic. They do it all from routine maintenance to performance upgrades to appraisals and everything in between. You can learn more about its owner, Dale Oaks, by listening to episode number 65 of this podcast. And you can find Euro Classics in the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana service area and online at euroclassics.com. Classics, C-L-A-S-S-I-X dot com. Hey, welcome back to welcome back to the Collector Car Podcast. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. I got a really fun and exciting guest today, a true car guy in all respects. Most of you know who he is, but a few of you that don't, we now have Johnny Lieberman on the line. Johnny, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing very well, Greg. How are you? Doing fantastic, man. And now, like I said, probably 99.9% of our folks that listen to this podcast know who you are, but for that 0.01% that don't, can you just kind of give us the Johnny Lieberman 101 real quick? Yeah, I, I doubt it's anywhere near 99%. Okay, <laughs> uh, I am. Uh, I'm Johnny. Uh, probably know me from Motor Trend. I'm the senior features editor at Motor Trend. I've had that title for a decade. I'm also on Spikes Car Radio. Um, so if you listen to that podcast, you hear me most of the time. Uh, what else is exciting? I don't know. I'm 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 uh, driving up Pikes Peak this year. I'm actually competing in the event. I just started training for that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I've just been kind of doing this car thing professionally for uh, it's been over 16 years now. Yeah, and I'm really thrilled to have you on. A couple things. I mean, you drive cars all the time. You know, you're in all sorts of different cars. I love Spikes. You know, radio show I, or podcast. I listen to it all the time. He was a previous guest. So it was Matt Ferris. So I'm thrilled to have you on. And what I love about you on Spikes, you never not have an opinion. <laughs> You're always That's right. Well, I mean, it'd be pretty bad radio if you didn't have an opinion. <laughs> That's right. It's funny, Greg, you say it because this is something that, like, you know, people don't get. They're always like, you know, you be objective or whatever. It's like I'm in the opinion business. Like my job is literally to drive cars and write about them, uh, make videos about them, and to talk about them on podcasts. I mean, that's literally my job. I have to have it. Yeah, and I love it. I'm also kind of somewhat surprised, maybe get a little insight on this. We are going to get to your ultimate garage, which will have the 10 cars-ish that you picked for your ultimate garage. But are you ever worried about upsetting a manufacturer by being a little too brutally honest? No. <laughs> <laughs> good. No, That's good. No, not at all. No, no, no. You know, first of all, look, they're well aware. Let's put it like that. Like, you know, the, 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 the people that build cars for a living. You know, there's nobody, let's, let's say you're talking about, I don't know, a Porsche, right? There's nobody 
very few people at Porsche who uh, you know have only ever worked for Porsche. Odds are they probably came from like Bosch or Mercedes or or, or you know uh, General Motors or something like that. So they know a good car and a bad car. They and and they professionally evaluate a whole bunch of cars before they start making a car. So when they release something, they're well aware. And you know uh, Bob Lutz wrote that book. And the title of it was. Um, Car guys versus bean counters, and it's true, right? If you if you give engineers a you know a blank sheet and say don't worry about the cost, you're just going to get nothing but the greatest cars ever made. It's when the bean counters come in and say, well, you know, and they don't even say like we want to save this many cents. They just say like, does the rearview mirror need to be the best in the segment, or could it be the middle of the segment? You know, right. so go to the supplier and ask for the middle tier rearview mirror. Um, you know, the, the foam, do we need the best like Rolls-Royce foam or could we get away with Buick foam? Because it all comes from suppliers, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, they're, they're well aware. And I'm not, I'm not, I never, you know, I never like catch anything that the manufacturer isn't 100% aware of. Let's put it like that. Right, right. And you probably give the designers some pretty good ammunition to go back to those bean counters and say, see, I told you we needed X, Y, or Z, right? <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I mean, uh, I hate using the word honestly. Straight that, but yes, I've had several <laughs> times where I've had people say thank you for saying that. Now, when we go in for the refresh, we can point to this. I'll give you a great example. Um, I was in uh, Munich recently uh, with BMW for the Munich Auto Show, and I drove a couple of their new EVs, the uh, i4 and the iX. But we 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 we, <laughs> we had a bunch of workshops, and this is. Uh, that's a whole separate story. I think we had 13 workshops, which is like being in like you know uh, college again. It was horrible. But but one of them was let's look at the new X3M. This is the refreshed X3M, and uh, one of the things they said is we've softened the suspension quite a bit. And so I pulled the engineers aside. I'm like, why'd you soften it? And the guy looks at me. He goes, because of your article and the article in Car and Driver. Like you just. You were so mean about how harshly it rode that we softened it. Great, and he said, "Yeah, no, it was too harsh." It was, it was, but, but but we were able to like get that budget approved to redo the suspension. Oh, that's cool. Right? Yeah. So I always I always feel, um, you know, like I'm doing. Well, I'll, I'll give you another one if, if I may. This was a long time ago, but uh, back when the fifth gen Camaro was out, uh, the, the 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 pre-refresh, it had this horrific steering wheel it's hard to explain how bad the steering wheel is but if you've ever tried to carry a bunch of like flattened cardboard boxes between <laughs> your thumb and your fingers you know how you just drop them after a little bit because your hand gets fatigued because it's a weird way to carry something so because the steering wheel wasn't actually round and had these big thick pieces it sort of forced your hand so your your thumb was like touching your straightened fingers and it's a really weak position and so after an hour drive, your your hands are tired, you know. So I said something like, you know, how does uh, Mark Royce, who's now the um, president of General Motors, by right? the time he was like their car czar or whatever his title was, I said, like, how does supposed car guy Mark Royce go to sleep at night? No, he's selling the worst steering wheel on the market. <laughs> and uh, he, he called my boss at the time, Angus McKenzie. He's like, all right, tell Johnny, like, call the dogs off. We we, we, we know. We, we're, we're changing it. So. I, you know, and I mean, like, again, I'm not, I'm not saying anything new um, that they're not totally aware of, but, you know, I, I so, so yeah, so, so I'm never worried about upsetting a car maker. Now, uh, do I, do I realize, like, I'm going to have to deal with the consequences? 
Right. Like, yeah, you know, so like maybe Ferrari, for example, won't talk to me for a year, and that's fine. Um, there's plenty of other cars to drive, um, but uh, I'm not. I'm never afraid of it. Have you been uh, blacklisted from driving some, uh, you know, pilot cars for a while? I, you know, we did a thing with Ferrari once where they gave us a car. It was the, um, uh, I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, you know, the F12. The F12. And I think you know, collectively, uh, if you look at everybody at Motor Train, I think it was like the sixth time, sixth time they'd given us a vehicle, and they said, "Here's the here's the F12. Do not weigh it. Do not test it. Do not put it on a track, and do not compare it to any other vehicle." <laughs> wow. And I was like, "Guys, like, what are we even doing? Like, let's let's break all the rules." People were sort of nervous, but but again, Angus at the time, he his mentor and his former boss, Peter Robinson, he goes, he looked at me and he goes, "Well." You know, Peter Robertson was banned for life by Ferrari three times. So um, <laughs> so we did all that. And it was good that we did it because it turned out, you know, Ferrari said the car weighed 4,000 pounds. Or, sorry, 3,500 pounds. We weighed it. It weighed 4,004 pounds. So it was 504 pounds heavier than Ferrari said. And by the way, because no one else bothered to weigh the thing, every other publication on earth globally was saying that the car weighed 3,500 pounds when, in fact, uh, it weighed 4,004 pounds, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? So, yeah, Ferrari was upset for a year. Um, and, you know, I never got to drive a 458 Italia or whatever as a result. Uh, big deal. I drove plenty of other cars. And, um, you know, so, so you know, we knew that was going to happen, but, but we did it anyways. Yeah, that's awesome. And you mentioned plenty of other cars, so that's why I wanted to have you on, because you do drive cars all the time, and I want to find out, could what would you have in your Ultimate Garage if you only had spot for 10 cars? And you already told me you forgot the list you sent me, so this will be a little bit of a surprise to you as well. Uh, there is not a Ferrari 458 on it, though. I will confirm that. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's another story. But uh, I, I will also say I think 10 is ridiculous. I mean, I, that's, that's, uh, that's way too way too few. Uh, my, my Ultimate would be you know, in the hundreds, if not thousands. Um, you know, I was, just, I was actually on Friday, I was, I got to wander around uh, Leno's garage with Jay and a couple of my buddies for a few hours. And it's like, you know, it's probably my sixth time being there. And, you know, you think it's a lot of cars and I'm kind of like, eh, I've seen all this stuff. Like he's got to get some new cars. This is getting kind of boring. Like, Come on, Jay. <laughs> so I just, just let me preface it by saying that. And I, and I, and I think top 10 lists like this are impossible to stick to. And I hope I, I disagree with whatever I wrote. So, yeah, you know, that's the thing is make it hard so we can see where it kind of whittles it down to. And and like I said, you sent me 10, and then two seconds later you sent me 11, then five seconds later after that you sent me 14. So uh, Good. Yep. we'll go through the top 10 and just, you know, kind of give me a little bit of insight why you picked those, okay? Yep, yep, yep. All right, so the first one was the 1997 Porsche GT3 RS 4.0. Okay, well, that's the best car I've ever driven, so that one would definitely be on the list. Um, yeah, that is... That is a uh, just you know uh, just perfect. It, it's one of those where you know the, some people have driven the the 997 GT3 RS and it's it's hard to believe you could make it better. But the 4.0, not only do you get more engine and all that, but it's just more and more race car. And I forget off the top of my head exactly, but the dampers are more closely related to the RSR race car or the Cup car. I can't remember which. And it's just it's just a race car that's street legal. And it's it's I got to do 25 laps in that thing at the um, Porsche Experience Center out here in LA, and it's just it's as good as cars get. It's just, yeah. If you yeah. like sports cars, that's that's the one. Any more than that, you know, it becomes a supercar where where suddenly, you know, maybe the the capabilities exceed the um, the feel. 
Um, so it's, it's like the ultimate sports car, whereas like the new GT3, which is also really, really good, uh, is kind of more supercar than sports car. It's just its capability, its grip levels are so high uh, that you're maybe working a little bit less to to achieve a lot more. Um, but yeah, that that the 4.0 is like you know. And look, I forget what they're going for today, but I think I heard one sold for like nine hundred thousand. Yeah, they're way up there. Like a two hundred and forty thousand dollar car, which was nuts back in two thousand and eleven. I think it was two forty something like that. It was a lot of money for a Porsche, but you know, yeah, they're, they're gonna it's gonna hit a million bucks soon, and and totally worth it, you know. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the new GT3. That was going to be my follow-up question, so I appreciate that. The next one on the list is the OG Goldwings. I'm assuming you mean 55 to 64 Goldwing, right? Uh, 54 to 57 for the uh, for the hardtop, yeah, and then 50. Oh boy, six to 61 for the Roadster. A lot of people they revised. You know, when they made the Roadster, they made a lot of uh, running changes to everything. Like I think the gearing's different, the suspension's a little different and stuff. A lot of people say that they like the Roadster better. Uh, I actually just got to drive a 300 SL Roadster. Um, I've driven a couple of them, but actually, no, I took it back. I've driven the same one twice extensively. Uh, but there was a, it's called the uh, oh boy, the SL Rally. No, it's not called. Anyways, it's a it's a 300 SL Rally that the SL Club is on every year. Oh yeah, yep. I got to go out to the Classic Center and we drove all over New Mexico for a couple of days. Uh, super fun. But, uh, no, I drove the Gullwing. It was a, it was a 56 uh, 300SL W198 uh, Gullwing in uh, Dunkel Rots, which is dark red burgundy, on the Mille Miglia in uh, 2015, so 1,000 miles around Italy. And that's just the greatest car. That, that's, yeah, that might actually be better than the 4.0, um, but you have to have that in your ultimate collection. It's just nothing like it. Well, you know, even though the, the, the word supercar – um, you know, comes from uh, set right looking at the um, the Mira. The, the Gullwing is arguably the world's actual first supercar. Just nobody thought of the word, um, and it's just just a magnificent vehicle. Yeah, I agree with you. And we had one of the twenty nine alloys at our auction in Scottsdale a couple of weeks ago, and it sold for record prices six point eight million. Oh. So, kind of nuts for sure. Yeah. All right, your next one might throw a couple people a curveball here. It's the 19, actually, you didn't give me a year. It's the Cadillac CTSV Wagon Manual. So this was a small window of opportunity to own one of these. So why is this one on your list? Well, these are just so wonderful. I, I had one, we had a long-term one for a year, and it was, I was kind of in charge of it. And um, <laughs> we put 37,000 miles on it. And at the time, there was just nothing like it. Uh, you know, 556 horsepower. 553 pound-feet of torque. The automatic transmission of the day, the, the six-speed auto from GM, was terrible. It, it wasn't so much that it was, like, mechanically horrible. It was that, uh, you know, the, the, the computer buses or whatever, you know, the, the, the electronics that, that told it when to shift were just slow. Um, there was no way to program it well. So it just, like, the automatic killed it. It was fine, but it just killed it. Whereas the manual was a great, I think it was a Tremec six-speed. It, it was awesome to have a manual station wagon. With that much power, rear-wheel drive did burnout. It was gorgeous. Ours was sparkle black, you know, so it's basically like black paint with, like, white diamonds in it. Yeah. Sparkled like crazy. Black wheels, yellow calipers. We had one of the five made in 2011 manuals that had no sunroof. (laughs) Slick roof. Just ideal. Took it to Germany. Don't ask how. I took the Cadillac farm and they shipped (laughs) it to Germany, and I got to drive it, like, on the Autobahn and the Nürburgring. And um, just... It's just such a sinister, wonderful vehicle. Um, I really miss that car. 
you know, if I, I, I did actually drive that car a couple of years later, the owner had sort of uh, done some things to it I wasn't too happy with. But, um, you know, maybe it's one of those, it's a bit of a nostalgia play. Uh, by modern standards, I'd probably be much happier in an E63. But there's just something about that transmission with that car, that great powertrain that, yeah, it's just, 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 just fantastic. And I love, I think all true car people love station wagons. It's the ultimate station wagon in a lot of ways. Yeah, and that's it's somewhat of a sleeper. I mean, you know, they, they really don't pop up often, at least in the auction world. But I know when they do, they, they go for more than a lot of people expect, but rightfully so, and probably a little bit under market, because they are pretty rare, especially if you find one that doesn't have a yeah. ton of miles. So, so yeah, Cat, yeah, that's the thing. But my, my old one, uh, I think I think it just went up for sale and had, I want to say it had like 97 or 100,000 miles on something like that. But you know, they made, I want to say they made 1,480 CTSV wagons, and of that, about a third were manuals. Um, so, you know, less than 500 of these things. They're very rare. Um, and, I, yeah, I think they will, you know, as far as auction goes. I think, you know, they'll, they'll crack 100 grand sooner than later. And, you know, uh, I know one was killed in a flood. Uh, it was actually a car and driver's long-term CSV wagon. So there's fewer and fewer of them too, and um, yeah, just just a lovely car that I sort of made my so I kind of made myself known uh, as a, as a motorcam person was driving that thing around for a year and writing articles about it. <laughs> That's cool. All right, the next one was a little bit of a curveball for me because it's definitely a newer car, but the Ferrari Roma. Tell us about that car. Oh. Yeah, that's a, that's just a, you know it's funny. So when the pandemic hit, um, you know we just sort of closed up shop, and you know we just weren't going to the office. And there's I, I do videos, and we just weren't filming videos because you know COVID was crazy, right? So um, I didn't know what to do with myself, and I just started like, and, and and nobody was doing anything, so there was just press cars like laying around. And I'm in LA, where you know press car capital of the world, plus you know the best weather, the best roads. So I just started booking in, like, supercars. Every week I get a new supercar. I'm still kind of doing that. But um, but I, I just drove, like, an embarrassment of riches. Like, every every great car there was, I'd get it for a week and go up and down Angeles Crest and do the car shows and whatever just to keep myself sane. And I realized, like, after, you know, either 12 or 18 months of doing that, the car that I kept dreaming about was the Roma. <laughs> um, and, and, and I think, it, you know, it's the first Ferrari in a long time that's calm. Um, it's not like trying to out Lambo Lambo. It, it's not, it doesn't look like, you know, some weird transformer. It, it's got a classic mid sixties, uh, sheet metal design, very modern, uh, obviously, but it's just the proportions are classic. You know, it's not mid engine, it's front engine. It's a great twin turbo V8. It's over 600 horsepower. You know, I, I, I was running around with my buddy who had a Lamborghini Performante and the Ferrari was keeping up just fine up in the canyons. Um, just a lovely, elegant car that, you know, I'd, I'd be happily drive it every day. Just, just a wonderful, beautiful machine. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. And your next one's a little more old school and I know these as being beautiful yet slow and ponderous. Uh, oh wait, no, let me take it back. You picked the Icon FJ 43. I was thinking more of the factory FJ 43s. <laughs> ah, no Icon. Right. That's a good, good catch. No, no, no. Right. Yes. Ah. So this is. This is funny. I feel like the rest of the world has finally caught up to Icon and Jonathan Ward. But if you don't know Icon, uh, Icon4x4.com, um, rest of my king. So it's, it's really just the brainchild of Jonathan Ward, who I, I will say off the bat is a good friend of mine. But part of the reason 
we're friends and I respect the hell out of him so much. Um, you know, he started a company called TLC, Toyota Land Cruiser TLC, where he modified Land Cruisers. And then he said, what if I just did like a almost clean sheet? So what he does with these FJs is um, the only thing left, I believe, when he's done is the hood and the chassis plate. Every, everything else he's rebuilt. And they're expensive. It's three hundred grand. But, you know, I was just at Barrett-Jackson, and I was watching $225,000 Broncos go all day. And this is better than those in every single way. But Art Morrison, you know, custom Art Morrison chassis. Uh, the FJs typically have GM engines. You can get, like, you know, a, a LS7 he does. LS9, you can, you know, just a, a whatever the LS4, whatever the supercharged right. uh, yep. small block. Um you know, then it's got uh, Dana, I think, 44 uh, axle on the front, Dana 60 on the rear. Could be Dana 60s all around. I can't remember. Um, but then I said, you know, I remember when I first met him years ago, I said, well, why, why? at the time they were only 200000 like, why is this worth 200000 And he goes, well, you know, like, for instance, these latches here that release the windshield, you know, we spent a lot of time thinking about latches. And the coolest latches are from the 1905 Sub-Zero refrigerator. <laughs> That's what we use. Oh, and by the way, the visors, they're off of a Learjet because they're the best type of sun visor. Because, you know, uh, <laughs> the interior is, you know, Chili Witch material, which, which, by the way, Rivian is finally using for their floor mats. Um, but if you go to, like, upscale restaurants, they use them as, like, uh, on the bar. And it's just these, like, un it's just indestructible material. So my point is every single piece of the vehicle is redone to a level that, you know, you just don't see anywhere else in the automotive kingdom. Like the, the hood ornament, right? Or it's actually a badge or the hood badge. The little California blueberry, blue belly lizard. Right. Which is made by a jeweler. And he was like, look, on a G-Wagon, the, the star, you know, that's a 50 cent piece. It's plastic. He's like, mine costs 400 bucks, handmade by a jeweler. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you know, I, I get it. I get it. And, and they drive great and they're unstoppable off-road and they're just wonderful vehicles. Yeah. So I would, I would love to have one of them. They are gorgeous. I'm a big old FJ fan, but also the Icon ones and the ones I've seen in person are just unbelievable. My only ask, and if you could ask him, I would appreciate it. Can he bring back some of the FJ colors? Because his palette is not as bright as I would like it. I know you can get it in any color you want if you get it built. but I'd... No, you can't. You can't, actually, because he doesn't even use paint. No, it's actually, oh. Actually, I, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, there, it, it's a process. Yeah, the metal is actually dyed that color, it's not painted. So <laughs> well, if you scratch it, you can't even see it because the, all the metals. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like uh, it's not paint. It, I, I wish I remembered. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. But that's why he uses that that particular palette. Then I reach. Not, they're not painted. I retract my request. Yeah. I have more uh, appreciation for the hues that are coming out now. So thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, and like, and, and 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 all the electronics. It's all off of a boat. It's all marine grade, so it's like indestructible. It, they're, they're just incredible. There's no plastic anywhere in the vehicle. Um, that's a big thing of his. He just hates plastic. So you know, even even the knobs are mach hand machined from aluminum. For like you know the pull for the for the the vents or the heater or whatever, um, every single thing and, and you know heated seats, Bluetooth, uh, good stereo. Like he he really goes to town on these things. I'm actually going to sleep better knowing that. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. The next one is the McLaren 720S, which I've heard. You know, I've never driven one, but I've heard this is a beast of a car. Yeah, it's ferocious. It's uh, it's one of the few cars that uh, you know still still scares me. Um, I mean, I should say terrifies. So basically, you know, 
it's the 720s because it makes 720 metric horsepower, 711 American horsepower. But really, like all McLarens, as my friend Jethro says, all McLarens make 800 horsepower. So when you get to about 6,000 RPM, it's really when the, the horsepower you know starts coming on tap, and from like six to seven thousand RPM, it's terrifying, you know. But it's also civilized, um, you know. A lot of my fellow journalists get lazy and they say, "Oh, it rides like a Rolls Royce." It doesn't ride like a Rolls Royce, but it rides really well for a supercar. Um, I, I was telling a story. I was in Germany. We were going to the Nurburgring in the winter for some reason, uh, and we're on the autobahn, <laughs> and you know, the autobahn's covered in snow. I'm going 140 miles an hour, and my passenger in the 720s is sound asleep. Um, so that's <laughs> that tells you. you. But it also like, yeah, it's also, you know, it's five or six years old at this point. It's still as quick as anything you can buy. Um, the, the 765 LT is like a, kind of the next step up, but um, that's like bordering on too much. Like my friend wouldn't have been able to sleep because it's so loud in that thing. Yeah, it makes more power, but it doesn't make any difference. Uh, so yeah, the 720 is, is is the best of both worlds, where it's like totally rocks and rolls in the canyons on a track, yet you can you know drive it around town and actually go out to eat in it. It's not you know even even like the new GT3, which is a wonderful vehicle, a little rough around town, where whereas like you know the McLaren simply isn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's kind of a supercar for the ages. Wonderful, wonderful. A hypercar even. Yeah. Wonderful thing. Yeah. Awesome. And by the way, you know. Does the quarter in ten seconds flat? Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, your next one I find very fascinating: AMG SLS Black Series. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know I've said for not the Black Series, uh, just the regular SLS Goldwing cars. I don't believe they'll ever go down again in value. In the Black Series, I'll double double down on that because those are even rarer and more insane. So tell us about that car. Yeah. So they made. I want to say 363 globally. Um, and, and the thing with the, the, the Black Series uh, that was kind of weird was um, the regular one, you know, until the Black Series, it wasn't that great. It was it was an awesome engine. You know, that was the, oh, what was it called, the, the M159 V8. Um, and it was it was incredible. Uh, but, the, you know, the car itself, it, you know, if you – I remember I, I spun one on Laguna Seca um, at Turn 11, and um, but but I also driven I don't know probably six other cars that day through the same corner the same way, and it just it just you know the handling just wasn't there. And I remember our um, testing director at the time, this guy named Kim Reynolds, great guy. If you read old road and tracks, he worked for them forever, but he used to work for us. I remember he was like, how do, how did they let this leave the factory? This is unacceptable. Because uh, he would just do limit handling, you know, testing. And it was really a, the, the, the going, the, the, the SLS, was just a really sketchy car. The Black Series, not only did they give it, you know, 100 more horsepower or whatever it was, but it actually handled well, like really well, incredibly well. Um, and I, uh, I actually just got the opportunity last June to do 10 laps of the Seca. And I, I, I did a bunch of laps like a decade ago in one, and I loved it, but I just drove it again. And um, funny story, uh, so I, I, my, my friend Bruce had one. And, and again, you know, they made 363 globally. I think 160 or so came to the U.S. I checked the numbers. I'm not 100% sure. Anyway, Bruce was like, hey, you want to drive it on the track? And I'm like, yes, sure. <laughs> Jump in it. And Randy Pope, who's a friend of mine, if you know Randy, yeah. he's a very successful race car driver. He's won Daytona twice. Among many other things, Pike Peak Champ. Um, 
he's like, hey, I'll jump in the passenger seat, you know, so we go out, and, you know, the first thing, you get treated to the noise, because that side pipes, there's just this ludicrous, snarling, 6.2-liter V8 noise, uh, you know, we go, we do a lap, and I'm just in awe, and then Randy, because he does coach, and he's a much better driver than Oliver B., you know, he starts telling me, like, hey, you know, brake later, do this, you know, blah, 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 and after, like, half a lap of, of him ruining my enjoyment, I'm like, Randy, shut up, <laughs> okay, I think I swore at him, I'm like, shut up. Let me drive. I'm not going to get any better, especially not now. Let me just enjoy this, you know. And it was just epic. I did. We did nine or ten more laps. Um, car is just wonderful. Plus, gorgeous. The black wing or the black series, I should say, looks better than the regular one. Yep. Sinister and, and again, rarer than than any of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I actually know of where there's one with like 500 miles on it. It's crazy. So. Uh, prefer to see him out there on a track or just having fun on the road. All right, we got three more to go, and then yeah. I'll run down your uh, the last four you threw at me at the last moment. But uh, your next one's the Aston Martin <laughs> DBS Volante. Oh yeah, geez, I'm picking all new cars. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, geez. Uh, again, you know, same horsepower as the 720s, weighs about a thousand pounds more, but you know, front engine, uh, literally gorgeous. I don't know why I said Volante. I had a good experience in the Volante. I think maybe I'd go with the hardtop as this is a, the Super Leggera. Um, either way, can't go wrong. And just it's just one of those like just look at it type cars. And then um, you know we used to do this thing uh, called World's Greatest Drag Race where we'd line up um, a dozen cars on a runway and just do a drag race. And one year we did we did a, a half mile race. Um, we were out on the Vandenberg runway, which is an Air Force base. We, the, the runway was built to land a space shuttle to come land in Florida sure. for some reason. Yep. Really, really good runway. Um, and so the half mile, we had, we had a McLaren Senna, which is uh, actually kind of a miserable car, but makes, you know, almost 800 horsepower. <laughs> it's ugly, too. Officially and very light. What's it's that? ugly, too. <laughs> oh, so bad looking. Yeah, crazy. Same, you know, it's, it's an evolution of the 720s. I think it's gorgeous. But anyways, um, so, you know, the McLaren wins the half-mile drag race. But, you know, number two was the Aston Martin. This really makes a ton of horsepower because it's a twin-turbo V12. And I don't know. I just, I just, I, I, I think Merrick Reichman is a – actually, his, he has a horrible title now. It's like VP of visualization or something. But he's, you know, chief designer at Aston Martin. I think he's one of the best that's ever worked. And I think the DBS is the best-looking car he's done by a mile. So, yeah, I would, I would very happily – have that real grand tour in the, in the in the truest sense of the word. Yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, well, we got two more. Uh, both of them I actually love. The next one's the Lamborghini Diablo SV Monterey Edition, which I'm not familiar with. That so tell us about that. Well, okay, yeah, they made thirty. I wasn't familiar with it till I drove it. Um, but yeah, there, it was like Monterey blue, which is sort of uh, just a blue blue, for lack of a better term. They made 30 of them that were blue and called a Monterey edition. I have no idea. But anyways, yeah, so it's a Diablo SV. And it's a fun, you know, it's just so funny what, what, what time does. But, you know, if you go back and read reviews of the Diablo SV, I'm sure they said something like, you know, wild animal, unchained, like, you know, hold on to your children. It's trying to kill you. But it's actually one of the most refined, uh, relaxing-to-drive mid-engine V12 supercars ever made. You know, it's, it's just a, a sweetheart. I've driven a couple Diablo SVs. My my friend let me drive his uh, Monterey edition, which he sold, and I'm still very angry at him for that. But he sold it. Um, but just just wonderful, like you know, and, and unlike a Countach, like spacious and uh, not not horrible. I love the Countach, <laughs> but it is, it is a miserable thing to drive. 
Um, and this was just just almost elegant. You know, it was, it was just a wonderful, wonderful car. Plus, you know, big, whatever, 545, whatever, horsepower V12. I forget the power, but it's great. Great manual, big trunk. Just a wonderful car. Yeah, they're beautiful cars. I, I've often shared that the first car I saw, the first supercar I saw in person was like a 1983 Countach. So I have a definitely a spot in my heart for that car but the follow-up diablo i just saw was an absolutely stunning gorgeous car as well that's so funny you say that i was eight years old so it would have been 1983 and i was in montreal where my dad was from and we were in old i don't know if you've never been to old town montreal you gotta go but it's just this beautiful very european looking part of the city where everything is like just kind of like dark gray stone and there was an orange kuntosh uh it must have been brand new so an 83 kuntosh sitting on like gray cobblestone and it just blew my mind like i i still think like my entire life kind of like flowed out of that one moment of seeing this car and my dad he loved cars and he let me look at it for you know 30 minutes like he you know I, which I, I think a lot of people wouldn't do with their eight-year-old but i just stood there and like you know ran around the thing but stood there and just stared at it for 30 minutes and i could not believe what i was seeing this is a spaceship it was like you know sitting in the old part of montreal and um yeah just uh, I love Lamborghinis for that reason. I've driven many Countaches, uh, including I actually just drove the very last Countach ever made, um, which is interesting, but but still terrible. <laughs> Whereas the Diablo, and I, I've driven the first Diablo, which was a bit unchained, uh, very unrefined. But by the time they got to the SV, just just a masterpiece of a car. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, and I think those are a little bit underappreciated, especially the main. Well, I think they all were manuals, but uh, any of those Diablos, manuals, yeah, yeah, are a little bit underappreciated right now. All right, the last one is another sleeper. And like I said, we'll go over your four emails you shot me right after you sent the list of 10. But I think this is one of the most beautiful sport utes ever made, the Rambo Lambo, the Lamborghini ML002. So tell us why this made the list. Yes, it's another one of those, like, just look at it, and also childhood uh, uh, nostalgia. But it is, I mean, I I actually just drove one uh, rather recently. I've driven about three of them. Which is funny because, you know, they built, I think, 347 of them. So I've almost driven 1% of all uh, LM002s, which is a stat that I find very funny. But, yeah, I mean, it's got a Countach engine, although reworked for more torque. Uh, it's got those insane Pirelli 17 by whatever it is, 365 tires. Yeah, yeah. Uh, original Scorpion, which just looks so cool. Um, you know, it was actually um, uh, Qaddafi of all uh, of all despots. Uh, you know, wanted it for his military, and that didn't work out. But then, um, you know, it actually goes back further than that. I mean, you know, the the U.S. put out a call for the Hummer, essentially, and for some reason, Lamborghini thought, "Oh yeah, we'll make one." And they made like a rear engine thing that was called the Cheetah, and it, it, the government went with the Humvee. But then they they kept building on it, and so yeah, it's a Lamborghini Military 002. And there was an 001, which I believe was still rear-engined, but it was a V12 instead of the V, and it only made one of those. Mm. It was a prototype. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a giant V12 SUV with a stick shift, and it's, it's hysterical to drive, and it, it, it looks better than almost anything. And it was designed to have a 50 caliber machine gun mounted in the back uh, for, for um, you know, the uh, Libyan soldiers <laughs> right. to, to shoot at whoever they want to shoot at. Um, <laughs> it's just a crazy vehicle. Right. Um, yeah, and and like I said, I drove one recently, and it's still a ton of fun. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I love that. And also, very interestingly, um, Horatio Pagani 
was uh, I had heard that he had done the interior. So I was, I was actually uh, hanging out with him in Texas a few months ago, and we're having some drinks. And I mentioned that to him, and he said, no, 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 I did, I did much more than the interior. And he kind of went through the whole development process, and he really did. I don't know if he was the chief engineer, but he was one of the engineers on that vehicle. So if you like Pagani, you'd expect some Pagani thinking into it. He'd like create the, the crazy air cleaner system, which, you know, is designed to, like, run in the sand all day and not, not clog up. So if you look, if you ever get the hood up, you'll see these two huge things that look like rice cookers. And <laughs> it's the air filtration system. But, yeah, just, just a wonderful car. And, real quick, uh, they made, I think, like five of them. With the marine engines, they were called the LMO2 America. So it was a seven liter or 7.2 liter. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was a seven liter uh, marine V12. So it really had a lot more power and torque instead of the 5.2 liter. Wow. Yeah, great. Uh, pretty pretty cool if you can find them. Yeah, and you just hardly ever see them because they are so rare and they are just absolutely stunning. I think they're gorgeous sport use, like I said. And in fact, if I could, if I could tell one more uh, little, little silly story. And again, it goes back to my dad and car shows and seeing stuff. I, it, I was like 12 or 13 or something, but at the L.A. Auto Show, you know, they used to put, like, the, the weird brand down in the basement. And so, you know, Lamborghini was, was a weird brand because they were always, you know, on the verge of bankruptcy. And they might have been owned by, I don't know, Proton at this point or you know, whoever <laughs> yep. bought them. Um, but I, I remember I walked down there and there was a white LMO2 and a black Vector, the Vector W3. And they were kind of parked like catty corner from each other and i was like torn between the two like oh my god oh my god everywhere i looked i couldn't <laughs> believe that like these most, i thought you know the, the, the two most amazing vehicles of all time and in a lot of ways still kind of are um you know we're sitting there so it was just it was, just, it was, crazy. It was crazy yeah that's really nuts and i'll do a quick shout out i do have pictures of the vector factory back in 1980 1993 when i toured the second gen which looked kind of like whale sharks um so if you're listening and you haven't subscribed to my email, please do shoot me a note and I will send those to you. So it's pictures of those 14 cars, second gen cars being built in the Green Cove Springs factory. So not, a, not nearly as beautiful as the first gen, that's for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's your top 10. Now I will say uh, we do have to move on to a little game, but uh, I will tell you your other four that you shot me in emails were was the BMW M2 CS with four exclamation points. Oh yeah, <laughs> the oldest. Yeah, what would have, uh, it's really good. Yeah, uh, what would have been the oldest car on your list? A blower Bentley. Oh yeah, yeah, you gotta have. Uh, the Audi Sport. Nineteen twenty nine. Okay, the Audi Sport Quattro, and then a Lancia. I forgot what Lancia you were referencing. Probably said like the Delta Integrale, but maybe not. Which Lancia was it? Oh no, it was probably, it was probably a B twenty Aurelia. No, that's it. Yep, that was it. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was that's another one from the from the melee where there was a bunch of those and they're just the most gangster looking they things are. and they're beautiful and my friend Paul has one and sometimes when I go to he, he, Paul Zuckerman is on Spike's car yeah. radio sometimes yeah. we record in one of his garages where it sits and it's just like you know bite your fist gorgeous <laughs> and just such a cool car yeah there was actually but I I could go with ten more right now if you I know I know like I said there was actually less than a hundred seems sort of. <laughs> there was actually one of those Lancias that was kind of resto modded at the Quail last year. I don't know if you saw it. The cho- the top was slightly chopped, and man, it it looked menacing, like you said, and it was absolutely gorgeous, uh, really nice. Well, yeah, I I, I I didn't get to go to the Quail last year. I uh, for whatever I was at Pebble Lane, but but I saw pictures of it. Yes, I mean, again, I, I used the word gangster in the best possible way, like like a Mark II Jag or something. But yeah, the, 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 those those launches are just. 
phenomenal. Uh, yeah, they're so good. Yeah, they're gorgeous. Well, one thing I like to do at the end, I don't know if I gave you a heads up or not, is I play a little game called Keep, Cash, and Crush. So I give you three cars. Okay. You have to pick one to keep forever, one to cash in, and one to, unfortunately, send to the crusher. So are you ready for No problem. No. <laughs> Nothing makes me happier than destroying cars. I was like, you remember, you remember that cash for clunkers and everyone was like ripping their clothes and crying? I was like, good, get them off the road. That's right. All right, so easy to, cr- easy to crush one for you. All right, so I loved your article you just posted uh, for Motor Trend about the new GT3. So that is one of the cars. And, you, and I'm quoting you here. Okay. One of the greatest performance cars yeah. made now or never. The second one I don't believe you've driven because I don't know if they've even put any out for testing yet, but it's the new Corvette Z06, so two new cars. And then the third one is that 1929 Blower Bentley. So which one are you going to keep forever, which one are you going to cash in, and then which one are you going to send to the crusher? Okay, well, we're definitely just going to have to crush the, uh, the Corvette because, um, you know, why not? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> done. Okay. That's too easy. And then, okay. Uh, cash in. Yeah, cash in would definitely be the 992 GT3 because you know they're selling for a hundred thousand dollars over sticker right now. Arguably worth it, but they're going to keep building it for you know four more years. By the way, there'll be a GT3 RS. By the way, there'll be a ST, which is like uh, somehow built by the GT division. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. There'll be lots of special editions. Oh, this is the 992.1, uh, which is selling for a hundred thousand over. Well, just wait till the 992.2 comes out. You know, so <laughs> cash in, and then of course the GT3 Bentley forever because they'll never make more and even if they do it won't be as good as the original and um yeah that's a car i mean i remember one time i was uh, i think i was in paris at the auto show and they had like um like a historic hall and it was just you know just a bunch of old cars lined up and the the, 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 ex, the exhibit exhibition started with that bentley and i remember standing in front of it and I, you know, i've been car i've been aware of my whole life you know, read about them wolf barnado yeah Lincoln, the bentley boys you know, what it meant, why it was, it was this vehicle, because it won so much, saved the company, Bentley's still around. And I was, like, crying. I was just, and, you know, I just, and I, I, I think I've seen them before. I don't know why. I was really overcome with, like, that just means I spent way too much time thinking about cars. Anyway, I was, like, staring at this thing, crying. And they're just, just, you know, it's just from a different era. So, yes, definitely, definitely keep the Bentley. All right. That's awesome, man. That's cool. Without yeah. Much. All right, Johnny. Well, thank you so much for joining us and playing my little game and sharing some kind of behind-the-scenes stuff about what you do day in and day out. What's the best way for our listeners to read your articles and to follow you on social media? Uh, on social media, it's Instagram. That's really all I do on social media these days. Uh, so Instagram is Johnny Lieberman, and Johnny has no H. It's J-O-N-N-Y and Lieberman, like the senator, L-I-E-B-E-R-M-A-N, Johnny Lieberman on Instagram. And then uh, I read for Motor Trend, so um, if you uh, – I wrote 45 stories for Motor Trend in 2021, so uh, there you awesome, go. Awesome, man. Odds are you'll find something. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us on the Collector Car Podcast, Johnny. Yeah, thanks, Greg. I really appreciate it. It was fun to talk. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast. <laughs>